Hello and welcome to the Vetfolio Podcast. My name is Matthew Lyon and I'll be serving as your host. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series on financial planning brought to you by Vetfolio and Hills Pet Nutrition. During this four-part series, we'll explore how you can make the most of your money and some unique opportunities for those in the veterinary profession. Our guest speaker for this exciting topic is Stith Kaiser, the business manager for My Veterinary Career for the American Animal Hospital Association. Stith founded My Veterinary Career in 2007 and began supporting the profession through the organization's efforts to connect professionals with practices across North America looking for talented individuals. Stith's industry experience includes facilitating workshops and speaking at national and local veterinary conferences. Additionally, he conducts career development related workshops for Veterinary Business Management Association and student chapters of the AVMA. Stith is a member of the Veterinary Partners, chair of the Career Development Special Interest Group, and serves on the American Animal Hospital Association's recent graduate task force. Now let's join Stith as we explore investment strategies for each part of your career. Part one. Welcome to our second session, Investment Strategies for Each Stage of Your Career, Part One. Today, we'll discuss general rules of investing, how to balance paying off that loan versus investing excess earnings elsewhere, and how to build a strong credit score for that house or first practice. One of my favorite stories as a child was one about my grandfather. We called him Big Daddy, and Big Daddy worked his way up from farming to slowly getting into a bank as a teller and ended up being the president of the bank. The interesting thing is he retired a multimillionaire. Now you're probably thinking, well, he was the president of a bank. What do you expect? But guess how much his salary maxed out at while president? $50,000 a year. That's right. Big Daddy became a millionaire, never earning more than $50,000 a year. Now I realize, yes, that was... 40 years ago, and money's worth that different value now. But still think about it. $50,000 a year was not much money. It wouldn't be that much money in today's terms either. Big Daddy became a millionaire not just because of his paycheck, because obviously $50,000 a year doesn't go that far, but he became a millionaire because of what he did with it. And that's what I want to discuss today. I want to talk about how to take that paycheck, whether you're an associate or working for the government, whatever you're doing within this great profession, I want to talk about how to leverage that paycheck so that you can achieve your own financial dreams. We're going to start by talking about five simple rules of investing. The first rule is the most simple of all. The cardinal rule of investing is don't lose your money. And I know that sounds silly because that's our goal for all of us going into investing, but there are certain things that we can do to keep that from happening. A financial advisor that I work with once told me this. He said, always invest in another's character. I'm not telling you you should or shouldn't use a financial advisor, but if you're going to work with someone, a third party, and there are some great advisors out there who will know way more than most of us are going to know about how to manage your money, but if you're going to invest with somebody else, invest in their character. Other people may choose to invest in themselves. That basically means trusting yourself, trusting yourself to be a good steward of your money. Number two is do not put your money in investments that you do not understand. This has been a real struggle for me. I've been able to meet some really successful people in this profession who are not only successful veterinarians but have achieved financial success through investing in other areas, whether it be real estate or consulting or speaking. And it's tempting to say, wow, this person did a a really good job. Look at all their money they're making. I bet I could learn how to do that and do the same thing. I've been told numerous times by some great mentors, stick with what we know. For me, for example, what I know is matchmaking with veterinary medicine. I know consulting. I've been fortunate enough to be able to speak a little bit. I know veterinary medicine. The practices that I own, everything is kind of within my wheelhouse. I 
decided several years ago I wanted to get back into cattle. I grew up with cattle. And so before I ever put a dime into the cattle business, I spent several years doing my research. Your passions are going to differ from mine, which is great. Before you put your money somewhere, make sure you become an expert at it. Next piece of advice is to diversify your investments. I'll use the cattle business for an example. If you've been in the cattle business for a while and you're food animal or mixed animal veterinarian listening to the call, you know that it's been a great time of year, great several years actually, to be in the cattle business. But the cattle business, as you all know, comes in cycles, and if we had put all of our money into the cattle business, I'd be in a lot of trouble now. Same thing with practice. I've found that practice ownership is not only a passion of mine, but it's a great investment. But I don't want to tie up all of my money in practices. Same goes for you. Try to find a few things you love doing. Put your money in that. Dabble in the stock market if you choose to. Work with a financial advisor. But make sure you have your money spread out in things that either you or your advisor understand. And lastly, remember the most prudent investment is in oneself. And I know that sounds silly and warm and fuzzy, but it's the truth. Veterinary medicine is an awesome professional on so many levels, and one of the reasons is because we can do so much. I'm not a veterinarian, but even as a non-veterinarian in veterinary medicine, there have been so many opportunities opened up for me, and you're going to be the same. Whether you're in school right now or you're already out practicing, you may decide that private or corporate practice is right for you, but other people may decide after a few years in practice they want to do something else, and there's so many doors out there waiting for you. So spend the time now investing in yourself, growing yourself, both as a leader, as a communicator, raising your emotional intelligence. Grow yourself to make sure you're in a position to take advantage of the opportunities that come along. After understanding those five simple rules of investing, I want to talk about a couple more rules. One is the idea of compounding or the time value of money. To put it most simply here, if you and I are the same age, so I'm 31, so you and I are both 31 years old, let's say that you started putting money aside in an investment, and we'll say it's the stock market, you started putting money away five years ago. I'm waiting until this year to start putting money away. The idea of compounding is that while your money has been in the bank or whatever the investment was, assuming it was a good investment, while your money has been in that investment for the past five years, you are earning money, which means every year your money is worth more than the amount you put in. Because you have that five-year heads up on me, that start on me, if I start investing right now at 31, even if I put in more money than you do per year, it will be hard for me to catch up with you because of the idea of compounding. Another way to look at this is called the rule of 72. There are a lot of different investment opportunities out there. Savings account, it's a horrible one, but I'll give you an example we can all be familiar with. CDs are another one. I'll walk you through several here in a minute. But there's different opportunities out there for us. And if we're trying to figure out where our money is best placed, we can use this rule of 72. To use this formula, what I want you to do is to divide the expected rate of return for whatever that investment vehicle is into the number 72. And that's going to tell you the number of years to double your money. So for example, a savings account at a bank. The average rate of return is 0.006%, which means it's going to take you roughly 7,200 years to double your money in a savings account. If you look at real estate, for example, I mentioned earlier that 7% is kind of the average you'd expect if you're doing rental properties. So at 7% return on investment divided into 72, you're looking at about 10 years. 
The stock market, one more example, stock market averages about 10% annual return on investment. You divide 10 into 72, and that gives you 7.2 years to double your money. You can do the math from there, but the idea is take the average rate of return, whatever that percentage is, for the investment vehicle and divide it into 72, and that will tell you how many years it will take to double your money. As we start looking at where our money is best spent and where the best return is going to be, hopefully we're going to be in a position where we're now making some excess cash. We're able to use the budget we talked about in one of our other sessions. We're covering our fixed and our variable expenses, and now we have some money to actually invest. When we're looking at debt, let's talk about debt and paying that off. Managing your personal debt is critical. I'm still amazed, and not in a good way, by the number of people that have gotten into bad credit card debt. Now, I'm not blaming. There's things in life that happen, absolutely. But once you go down that rabbit hole of getting into credit card debt, it's so hard to get out of it. First thing I encourage you to do, if you start making excess money, is pay off that debt, especially credit card debt. Credit card debt is especially important because of the impact it has to your credit score, which we'll talk more about here in a minute. Realize there is some good debt. I was teaching in a school not too long ago, and someone was saying they really wanted to be a practice owner but could never get a loan because of their student debt. Most banks would quantify educational debt as good debt. Now, if you're someone who has gone to school for seven years to come out as a history major, no offense to history majors, that's probably not good debt. But if you can show that you've taken out loans to pursue this career and this profession, most banks are not going to knock you for that, and you will be able to get the financing to go purchase a practice. Bad debt are things you want to avoid. I mentioned credit cards already, getting into trouble with your mortgage payments on your home. When it comes to excess earnings, pay off that bad debt, but don't worry about paying off some of the good debt because that's not going to keep you from achieving some of your financial goals. I've been asked the question several times now, let's say I'm out of school, I don't have bad debt. I've paid off my credit cards, I don't have anything you know, sitting on my house I have to worry about, and I'm getting extra money coming in every month. Am I better off paying more down on my student loans or doing something else with that money? So let's say I've got $20,000 at the end of the year. Do I just put that $20,000 down toward my debt or do I invest it somewhere? My rule of thumb for you is if you can invest that money and get a higher rate of return than your loans, student loans will say roughly 6.8%. So if I can go invest that money at a 10% rate of return, which is if I buy a practice, I expect a minimum of a 10% return. If I can go invest that for a 10% return, you're better off taking that excess money and investing it in something else that's going to produce income and then use that extra income to work on your debt versus taking that 20000 for example, and throwing it to your student debt and losing all the potential earnings through a better investment. I mentioned credit score a minute ago, and I want to come back to that. Again, I hear a lot of people at the schools worried about their ability to, to do much when they get out of school when it comes to buying a practice, or I know most associates wait five to seven years. So if you're already in practice right now, you may be wondering, am I going to be able to get a practice in five years and I'm ready for it? Don't get me wrong, your credit score is very important. I just got done working with a colleague of mine who tried for months to buy a practice, and we finally got her dialed in to do that, but the big issue she ran into was her credit score. So, yes, credit scores will impact your ability to buy a practice, and if you have a poor credit score but good enough to allow you to buy it, you still have to deal with potentially higher interest rates. As we're trying to figure out how to take control of our credit score, payment history is one of the big things people are going to look at making sure you're paying those credit cards off in a consistent manner. Amounts owed. So, again, if you're carrying an outstanding balance on your credit card, that's going to hurt your credit score. You want to use your credit score or your credit history to increase your score. I have some people say, well, I'm just not going to get a credit card, therefore I don't have to worry about running up debt. 
having a credit card and using it responsibly helps you build that credit. I've known people who use a credit card just for grocery shopping or just to buy gas. That keeps them from using it willy-nilly and running up a big tab, but it does allow them to start building that history up. Your credit score is not only important for personal reasons, but for those of you interested in other investments, and I mentioned personally practice a minute ago, your score will determine the quality of deal you get. The goal of this session was to discuss some general investment strategies and principles. Join us on our next podcast, Investment Strategies for Each Stage of Your Career, Part 2, to learn more about strategies for each stage of your career. We hope you discovered a few takeaways from Stith's remarks. Take what you have learned and put it into action. Don't wait to take that next step in achieving your financial goals. Make sure you check out the rest of this special series on financial planning. We'd like to thank Hills Pet Nutrition for partnering with Vetfolio to bring you this great series. If you'd like to share your comments and thoughts on this podcast or other Vetfolio podcasts, please email us at support at vetfolio.com.